So guess what? I have maybe 12 minutes or so this morning to wrap up the book of Galatians. Uh, I, thank you, Samantha. That's going to get me through this ser- sermon. Um, it would be misleading to even refer to uh, the sermon as a sermon this morning. Have you ever heard the word homily? Uh, in plain speak, homily just means brief sermon. Uh, so this is going to be more like a homily or a scripture reflection than a sermon. Uh, and I'm going to have to really keep to these about 12 minutes I have. So the Holy Spirit can do this. Uh, I trust him. You, hopefully you trust him. Um, but we are wrapping up the letter to the Galatians. Um, and uh, as we come to the conclusion, this final chapter, just a real quick recap of where we've been. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to a young church, and this young church was in a predicament. Uh, false teachers had made their way into the churches of Galatia. Galatia was located in where modern-day Turkey is. And they began to twist, to change the message that the Apostle Paul first proclaimed to these followers of Jesus in Galatia. You see, Paul uh, emphasized to them that a person comes into relationship with God A person comes into the family of God, is accepted by God, simply based on faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Well, this group of false teachers uh, said that that, that's important. What Jesus did is important. But you Gentiles, you non-Jewish people, you have to also adopt Jewish customs. You more or less have to also become Jewish to really be accepted by God, to really be a member of God's family. So this is the predicament, and Paul hears about this. He finds out about it, so he writes this letter to call these uh, young followers of Jesus out of danger and to uh, once again emphasize the message of grace, the true message of the gospel. Uh, In our last week uh, in chapter 5, we got into Paul talking about Uh, the life of love, and how the life of love is aligned with life in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is. Um, We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Well, as we wrap up chapter 6, what we're going to see Paul doing here is basically uh, fleshing out for us concretely what a life of love looks like. So let me go ahead and pray for us, and then we're going to jump right into it this morning. Father, we pray that you would open your word to our minds and our hearts this morning. We pray that you would bring the gospel to bear on our hearts and our minds. And we pray that we would not just gain information about the gospel, that we would not just learn facts from your word. We pray that you would meet with us through the Holy Spirit and transform us, change us, save us, uh, do whatever we need done in our lives this morning. We pray that even through my meager efforts, uh, through the limited time that we have this morning, that you would meet with us and that we would know your presence. We thank you, Jesus, that we can count on your presence and we look to you now. Amen. What does the life of love look like? Now, we've already seen glimpses of it in chapter 5 again. the, the uh, The life of love, we can say, is a life in the Spirit. Uh, in alignment with the Holy Spirit. But beyond that, what is the life of love? What does it look like fleshed out? And so Paul, as he leaves these 
young followers of Jesus, so to speak, in, in terms of the, the letter that he's writing to them. As he wraps out, he doesn't want them to just know about love abstractly. He wants them to know about it concretely. And so we're going to look at two things about the life of love and what they require of us. The first is that we must look inward, and the second is that we must look outward. Paul begins with a specific example. If anyone is caught in any transgression, any sin, you who are spiritual, spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So the example that Paul begins with in the conclusion of this letter is, all right, there's a person in your church family, a person in your community, Galatians, and I'm sure that this was not hypothetical, and they are entrapped in sin. They are caught in sin. What is your obligation? What should your response be? How should you approach them? Well, the first thing that we see here is that we actually, Paul wants us to do some inner work. He wants us to look inward, more spiritual. It doesn't mean an elite class of spiritual people in the church family. Uh, by spiritual, Paul means mature. Uh, he means, in context, living in alignment with the Holy Spirit. And Paul is very careful to point out that as we think about others who are trapped in sin, and we think about our response and our approach to them, we, we have to be in tune with ourselves. We, we have to have a certain level of self-awareness. He says at the end of verse 1, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Those are sobering words, aren't they? Keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted. We have a, a temptation, an inclination Oftentimes, and we've actually referred to this throughout this series on Galatians, that when we see people in sin, rather than um, approaching them in love, rather than uh, even caring about them in love, sometimes we leverage that to validate ourselves, right? We, we say, oh, look at that person over there. I would never do that. I would never be in that situation. I'm in this maybe elite class of spiritual people. Paul says, watch yourself. Be aware of that tendency, that temptation, because it's only by the grace of God that you don't find yourself in that situation or trapped in that particular sin. So watch yourself. Why do we need to watch ourselves? What is the root issue here? Well, it's pride. It's an elevated view of ourselves. Uh, we often use this, as I mentioned, as a means of self-justification, Coming back to that word that's been used repeatedly in this letter, justification. We um, don't feel secure in the justification we have through Jesus. And so we look to justify ourselves in other ways. And one way we do it is by elevating ourselves, validating ourselves, um, by comparing ourselves to another person. We look down on each other. This, I mean, this is so, it's so ugly, and it, I really appreciate Paul's exhortation here to watch yourself because like, I, I do this regularly. I do it regularly without even being aware of it because I'm not watching myself. Like specific example, there, there have been in recent time uh, a number of pastors that I'm aware of who have had moral failures. 
And it is so easy to me re- to react toward that. Like, you're awful. How could you make that decision? What was going through your mind? Oh, your, your family. Like, how could you do this to your family? You're, the church that you pastor, you're going to mess up people's faith. How could you do these things? Paul says, watch yourself. Because then I start to think, well, I would never do that. Uh, I'm, I'm not prone to that particular sin. Paul says, watch yourself, lest you too be tempted. Our natural inclina- our sinful inclination is to look down on others, to judge others in order to elevate ourselves. And verse 3, Paul says, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. This is why the gospel so uniquely addresses pride. The gospel creates humility. We use our differences to divide us, to separate us, rather than focusing on how the gospel unites us. But jumping down to verse 14, Paul says, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And then verse 15, For neither circumcision nor or, or for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. You see, the gospel, as we um, profess faith in Jesus, as Jesus uh, changes us and makes us new, we become new creatures, new creations. And we actually become a visible depiction, a visible display of the work that God is ultimately doing in the world and will bring to a close one day in making all things new. Our lives are meant to be miniature trailers, so to speak, of what is coming at the end when Jesus makes all things new. Paul's saying this is what counts, not um, uh, evaluating ourselves based on what we do and don't do and trying to justify ourselves accordingly, but rather because we have been justified freely by the grace of God through our faith in Jesus Christ, we are new. We are made new. And this creates humility because we recognize that we did not accomplish this through our strength, through our power, through our abilities, through anything that we bring to the table. It's purely because of what Jesus has done for us. And so as we increasingly grasp and understand and comprehend the beauty and power of the gospel, it creates humility. And so Paul says, watch yourself, look inward. Be aware of these tendencies in yourself and essentially preach the gospel. Remind yourself of the good news daily, regularly, lest you too fall into temptation. But we're also meant to look outward. And these are not two separate thoughts. Um, Looking outward flows from looking inward in Paul's line of thought here in Galatians 6. Verse 2, Paul says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What Paul is doing here is really cool, because the uh, false teachers that have come into these churches in Galatia, remember what they've been saying, that, okay, you have to uphold the Jewish law. You have to do it. You have to perform it. You have to fulfill it. And what Paul says is that, all right, you want to you talk about following the law? You want to talk about fulfilling it? Okay, well, here's how you do that. And by the way, false teachers, it's actually the opposite of what you're doing. What does it look like? What is a life of love fleshed out? It looks like bearing one another's burdens. 
But rather, what are the false teachers doing? Paul says this uh, previously in the letter, if you remember. You're actually adding to the burdens of these disciples. You're putting a a load, a weight on them that they cannot carry and are not meant to carry because Jesus is the ultimate burden carrier. He He carried the burdens of these disciples on the cross. One commentator talking about this said that the law of giving oneself in love and humility, the law is giving oneself in love and humility to the service of others. That's the true fulfillment of the law. And this is a privilege that we have as God's people in the church. If you look down at verse 10, it says, do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. What is Paul doing? Look outward. Look outward. Look outward. As you are in touch with your own self-awareness, as you are um, watching yourself in his words, you're going to be reminded of the fact that Jesus has done for you what needed to be done. And it's going to produce humility. And guess what humility leads to? It leads to an outward focus because you're not so wrapped up about yourself. You're not thinking all the time about your own needs, your own wants, but you're thinking about the people around you and you're able to enter into their stories, into their lives, to carry their burdens alongside of them. Now, Paul says a lot more here. Um, Verse uh, 6, for example, what is Paul saying in this verse? How does it fit into the context? One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Well, it seems self-serving as a minister of the gospel to point this out to you, Um, but this has never been an issue for me and my family in the life of this church, but it's actually Paul practically talking in one way how to um, carry the burdens of another, that those who teach the gospel should be supported. And Again, I'm grateful for how uh, City Church in a variety of ways has done that for myself and for my family. But Paul here is getting practical. He's fleshing all of this out because, and and this is where we we conclude our, our, our study of Galatians. The true, to follow the law truly is to not orient ourselves according to the law to try to justify ourselves before God. It's actually to embrace the fact that we are justified by God through faith in Jesus Christ and therefore are actually positioned and empowered to fulfill the law through love of others. And it's beautiful what Paul has done over the course of this letter because he has challenged the false teachers every step of the way and given these young disciples of Jesus a practical orientation to the gospel and how to live in light of what Jesus has done for us. And that should be our prayer for one another. Our prayer for one another should be that we carry one another's burdens, that we watch ourselves. And in watching ourselves, Jesus produces humility, and we are able to enter into one another's stories and to carry each other's burdens. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your work and how it makes us new, changes everything about us. We pray that you would keep us in touch with our own temptations and our own sins, that we would be grateful for the rescue that you provide for us, 
And that rather than judging others and using others as a means of self-justification, I pray that we would rest securely in the justification we have in Christ and that we would love others and carry their burdens as you call us to. I pray that this would be real, that this would be tangible in our life together here at City Church. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.